What do the New York Giants need to do to beat the Dallas Cowboys? We're going to break it all down with special guest coach Gene Clemens of Giants Country. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You got P Train, Patricia Trainer here. On this Friday edition of Locked On Giants, and I'm joined by Coach Gene Clemens. It's been a while since we've had him on, but he's here. You guys have asked for him, so we were able to finally get him on the show. And we are going to talk about the Giants-Cowboys Week 1 matchup. Coach Gene, we're going to tap into your expertise, and we're going to figure out how the Giants can best the Cowboys and end this hold that they seem to have over them. So welcome to the program, my friend. And thank you for having me. I'm I'm always um, excited to talk. I'm excited to talk about a new season. Football is officially back. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We're back, and we'll see all the rest of you suckers in like February when you when we can come up for air after that. And until then, it'll be football, 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 and more football. I love your enthusiasm, and you know it was funny. I I told my husband uh, we we just had lunch a little while ago, and I said to him. You know what? I think I would like to go to the Super Bowl this year. So he says, well, regardless if the Giants make it, I said, yeah, regardless. But it would be nice if, you know, maybe, just maybe, you know, fingers crossed. But anyway, Gene. Everybody's got a chance right now. Everybody's got a chance. So anyway, let's talk about week one because the Giants do have to take them one, one game at a time. Dallas Cowboys coming in. New play caller, Kellen Moore is no longer the offensive coordinator. Brian Schottenheimer is, but Mike McCarthy is going to be calling the plays. What do you anticipate will change most with the Dallas Cowboys in terms of maybe their play calling philosophy? I actually don't think a lot's going to change. I think a lot of people underestimate the the, the fingerprint that McCarthy had on that offense that wasn't just an only Kellen Moore's offense. If we look back at the Cowboys offense before Mike McCarthy showed up, it wasn't a very good offense. That offense was being ran by Kellen Moore. If you look at the at the years prior to that, as much as we don't like to admit it, Kellen Moore was not the offensive coordinator of that team. We know who the offensive coordinator was. We just won't say his name because Giants fans can't seem to, you know, help but bag on the man and what on the job he did with New York. But um I think you're going to see a very similar vibe, a very similar flow. Um, I, I don't think you'll you'll see them them deviate a lot from what you've seen in the past. Mike McCarthy's a a guy who made his bones as an offensive as an offensive mind, so I don't see him. And 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 he did a really awesome thing. I want to give him kudos, and I know we're not really supposed to give Giants people, I mean, um, Dallas people, kudos. But Mike McCarthy took a couple years away and kind of like updated himself on on new age football. He didn't just sit back and, and go into a coordinator's role and keep doing the same stuff he did. 
he got himself prepared. And I think that's why he was able to hit the ground running as the head, as the head football coach for the Cowboys. So I expect to see a very similar um, style of offense as we've seen in the past. All right. So the Cowboys have a few new faces, a few faces they're missing. Zeke Elliott, no longer there. They added Brandon Cooks to the receiver core. Do you anticipate that maybe Dallas is going to maybe lean less on the running game and, and lean a little bit more on the passing game? Or can they still be balanced with Tony Pollard as their, their primary runner? And can they still have the same effect that they've had with, with their offensive approach? I, I don't know if they'll be as balanced, but I think they're, they're going to be more explosive. Um, you add a guy like Brandon Cooks, who's been great everywhere he's gone. Like I, it's it's the craziest thing. I've never seen someone be so effective as a receiver. Every single location he's gone, and yet continue to get traded or like you know let go in free agency. So, um, I think you'll see a more explosive team. Um, and I think that that's where the that's where the money is going to be won for the Giants. Can they turn? this Cowboys offense into a three yards in a cloud of dust offense. If they can't, then there may be some issues or it may just end up in a shootout, which I think that the Giants are probably a little bit better equipped to, to handle this year than they were last year. Before I ask you about the Giants defense and, and their plan of action against Dallas, I want to ask mm-hmm. you about Dak Prescott. Now, something that I don't think gets discussed a whole lot is that Dak's had some ball security issues and some turnover issues the last couple of years. I think he's had, I want to say, 25 interceptions over the last two seasons and about 18 fumbles and stuff like that. Not something that gets talked about a whole lot. What's been the difference in his game? And, you know, how can the can the Giants, do you think, you know, cash in on them? Is there something that Dak's doing or not doing that just makes him more susceptible to these turnovers? Well, first, I would I would slightly argue that it hasn't been talked about. People have been talking about him and, and all of that stuff. I just think that in our circles, in the NFC East circles, um, it's been more the focus has been more on Daniel Jones or on the fact that um, Washington doesn't have who people think should be a franchise quarterback. And then obviously the emergence of of of, of Jalen Hurts. But. I think that a lot of his issues, because he's never had turnover issues before the last two years, but he's also had major injuries over the last couple of years too. I think that's that's made him for, made him press. I think it's made him, you know, get a little bit out of his normal game. He's never really been a guy who looked to be the playmaker for the team. He's always been a guy that gets that distributes, that gets the ball to the right person allows them to do the, the the work. And I think over these last couple of years, A, I'm trying to prove that he earned that that he deserves a, a big time contract. And then B, once now I have this big contract and I've been injured, am I am I still the guy? Like am I still good? I think he's been pressing. Giants fans have to hope that he's feeling pressure this year. Cause I think that if he's feeling pressure, and I don't mean like pass rushers, but if he's feeling pressure, um, external pressure, internal pressure, I think he'll turn the ball over again. And, of course, the Cowboys traded for Trey Lance and, you know, a, made a significant trade. I think it was a – I want to say a fourth-round pick for, for the quarterback, I think it was, but kind of unheard of. And, and it's almost like Dallas is sending a message to Dak. I mean, do you see it that way as well? 
I don't I don't see it that way. Cooper Rush is a guy who's a statue in the back. Um, I, I don't think they saw Ben DiNucci they've had in there. Like you you don't have um you don't have quarterbacks in there. You want to have a quarterback, especially in today's football, that mimics the type of quarterback that you have, you know, um as your starter. And so Trey Lance has some similar skills, some similar qualities to Dak. And I think that they, they look at Trey Lance being so young and so inexperienced and saying, yo, if even if we were to stash this dude for the next three to four years, he's still, what, 26 years old, you know? So it, it's not like this. That, I don't think it's something that they went, hey, Dak, you better beware because Trey Lance is coming. I think it was, hey, let's get somebody in the fold who gives us some qualities that 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 can can come but i think if he starts to if he starts to waver a little bit um 2020 2024 people will be talking for sure about replacing him we're talking with coach gene clemens he writes for giants country the site that i manage he's also on the athletic he has his own podcast and we're breaking down the dallas cowboys who face the giants week one this sunday night and uh Coming up, we're going to talk about the Cowboys defense and still to come, Coach Gene, we're going to put you on the spot and we're going to ask you how the Giants can take best advantage of the Cowboys' weaknesses. But first, we're going to be right back after this quick message. Hey, Giant fans, did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months of taking Nutrafol's Men Hairs Growth Supplements. So go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health throughout the whole body wellness. And for a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off their first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. And that's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. And that promo code is LOCKEDONNFL. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants. You got Patricia Traina, P. Train with Coach Gene Clemens, and we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys who come into the Met, into MetLife Stadium Sunday night in an effort to try and continue their dominance over the New York Giants. The Giants won in 11 over their last 12 meetings against the Cowboys. But uh, the Giants, th- th- this is not the same Giants team that we've seen in, in past years. And before we get into uh, the, the game plan or some ideas for the game plan, which we'll cover in the next segment, Coach Dean, let's talk about the Cowboys defense. Dan Quinn, he's going to probably throw everything, including the kitchen sink at that Giants offensive line that, you know, mm-hmm. Micah Parsons, he's a beast. The Marcus Lawrence, who, 
you know, maybe it's not being talked about as much anymore because of the, the development of Mike, Micah Parsons. He's still pretty darn good. They added Gilmore in the back, uh, the defensive backfield. I mean, does this Cowboys defense have any weaknesses that you can say? I don't particularly like their interior linebackers. I think that Micah Parsons is a – all right, I'm going to say this. Micah Parsons is a fraud at middle linebacker. He's not a middle linebacker. Micah Parsons is an edge rusher that they're just moving around because he's super athletic. Like he's Isaiah Simmons, only just like fulfilled potential. You know, that's that's pretty much it. The 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 interesting part is if you can get Micah Parsons to play legitimate middle linebacker, that's actually to the Giants' advantage. It's when they just let him go that's that's the bigger issue, and that's what makes them scary because they can move him around as that movable chess piece, but then you have like a legitimate edge rushers like Lawrence coming off the edge, and they they keep a good interior defensive line. So, like if you're if they're able to to create pressure with four guys, which is where Dan Quinn has always been at his best as a defensive coordinator, if they can get pressure with four guys. There's no doubt they have guys who can lock up, you know, um, on the outsides. The the issue is is they haven't had to face a tight end like Darren Waller um, from from the Giants' um, perspective before. Like even when Evan Ingram was there, Ingram had some success versus them in, in years past. And 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 slot guys like um, um slot slot guys slot guys have had have have had success as well. On the outsides, not as much. So can they take like are they are they a perfect defense? No. Um, are they very scary if you get behind? Absolutely. And so I think that's gonna be really key for the Giants is really not get don't get behind the chains and don't get too far behind in the scoreboard where they feel like they can just turn people loose and not allow them to play assignment sound football. Last year, the Cowboys run defense, I want to say was ranked 22nd. It mm-hmm. it wasn't the greatest. When you look at that unit, did they do enough to upgrade it, do you think? Or is it still an area of concern? I, I think I, I think we come back to the same the same issue. Right. Um, why? Why was the Giants run defense poor? It's because the the interior linebacker play was not where it should be. The Giants, I don't believe they've improved interior linebacker play. I think they feel that they felt as if it was more important for them to get better on the perimeter because that's where the that's where the championship caliber teams are really, really good at. The Eagles are really, really good on the perimeter. The 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 um the 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 Bengals, the 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 Bills, the the Chiefs, like those are all great. The, teams on the perimeter so let's let's try to build the perimeter and let's just take our let's take our um chances on the interior that we get these guys better but i don't think they've improved in the sense of added any personnel to make it better they're just hoping that they improve by another year in a system Dan Quinn doesn't blitz as much as Wink Martindale does, but he does throw, I think, a lot of different twists and stuff like that at that giant. Well, not just at the Giants offensive line, but I think in particular, he's going to test that Giants offensive line with all kinds of funky stuff. I mean, 
Are there trends that the Giants can look for regarding this? Or, or what new wrinkles do you think Quinn could potentially throw at the Giants that might cause them to, to get off balance? I would I would probably look to see a lot more of Lawrence and Parsons um rushing from the same side. I think we don't we don't see enough of that, but because um Parsons is a move piece. I think you may see a lot more because Lawrence has an ability to come in and play like a, you know, a, a de facto four technique inside of the tackle. Um, he can he can attack a B gap and be disruptive and use his his explosiveness. And so having him attack inside and then Parsons loop around on the outside or have a, a Parsons attack at the B and have him come outside. I think that's something we we can potentially see a lot more. And I guarantee you we'll see away from Andrew Thomas like they'll do it they'll do it to Evan Neal's side because one of the biggest issues Evan Neal has is getting the is getting the edge rushers so they'll they'll put stunts like that I I expect to see a slant to to um a slant to to Andrew's side and a a looping um outside rush like an outlaw rush from Parsons with possibly um that 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 edge rusher coming into the B gap. I think that's what we'll see um, a couple times just to see where Evan Neal's ability to change direction is. Cause he's going to have to carry that guy inside. He's going to have to patty cake him off and then come back out to that edge rusher off the, off the um, edge. And and if he can do that, cool, because Glowinski, when he's, when he has guys around him that are in lockstep, he does his job. But if it becomes a situation where Glowinski has to overcompensate, for for Neil and then Neil turns his hips and now he can't get back outside. It could be it could be Daniel Jones running for his life all over again. Yeah. What about the defensive backs? You know, we talk about how the Giants might potentially match up their corners against the the uh, Cowboy receivers, but how do you anticipate that the Cowboys deploying their personnel on defense against the Giants receiving weapons? I think they'll make I think they'll make Daniel Jones prove that he can deliver balls to outside receivers. Why I, I think they will definitely have their their eyes on stopping the interior guys. I don't know how much Hyatt is going to play as a legitimate outside guy. I think you'll see a lot of Hyatt moving inside. I don't think you'll see a lot of him maybe lining up um where he can get off the ball fast. And so I think that they will say, hey, prove to us you can get it to these to this X, this true X and this true Z that's outside because they're going to lock those guys up one on one. And then they'll play over under coverage on the on the interior guys, which are our tight ends and our slot, our slot receivers. And what other concerns are we not talking about when it comes to this Cowboys defense that really we should be paying attention to? We still have a rookie. We have a rookie playing at center. I think that that's that's always something that you have to like you have to be aware of. Like we have a rookie playing at center. Um, we yes we have veterans at the guards, but how good are those veterans? Are they are they good enough to to cover up for it? It could be an issue. It's not something that we're talking about a lot. Um, I think people are. I think people are just looking at the obvious and just thinking oh well he's he was the best center in the draft so he must be a plug and play guy but even in Baltimore last year um their center had issues the first five or six games before he finally kind of 
you know, got his got his feet underneath him, Lindenbaum. And I thought he would have been somebody that would have been great for the Giants last year. I think the same thing this year. These centers, while I think the center position was extremely deep this year, they still have never played in the NFL before, you know, where – these 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 interior defensive linemen are monsters. Even, I mean, you're finding Jordan Riley's in the seventh round. You know, like if you're finding guys that can make your squad in the seventh round and be like impact dudes, it just tells you how many monsters there are. And the, and the, and the the Cowboys have not only some good interior rushers, but then they have that factor of Micah Parsons could blitz off the edge this play, and then the next play he's coming through the a gap. Yeah, for sure. All right. Coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast, I'm going to put Coach Gene on the spot. I'm going to see what, how he would scheme up for the Giants on offense and defense. And also, I want to see if Coach Gene agrees with me with my biggest concern or one of my biggest concerns about this weekend's games. So don't go anywhere, everyone. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry, and best of all, you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app, known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and a wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. And that promo code is locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants. You got Patricia Trainer, Coach Gene Clemens is the guest today, and we are talking Giants, Cowboys, and Coach Gene. Let's now try and figure out how the Giants are going to attack the Cowboys on both sides of the ball. And then I'm going to give you my concern that I don't think a lot of people are talking about regarding this game coming up. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Now, I would think a lot of people are thinking – Let's break out the new toys, the Darren Wallers, the Jalen Hyatts, the Paris Campbells. But going back to what I said before about the run defense, do you think this will be more of a Saquon Barkley type of a game with with the passing game kind of filling in, or, or do you see it reversed, or how do you see it playing out? I I know that everyone is excited about the new weapons, but this is still a – this is still a Saquon Barkley like type of team and, and nothing has really changed for me from my perspective. So like, yeah, you're going up against a team that has not proven that they're, they are really good at stop at stopping the run. Yeah. You're probably going to try to like exploit that. You're going to try to take advantage of that. I think you're going to see um, them use Saquon Barkley. If for no other reason, then, how do we get our second-year offensive tackle to feel more comfortable early on? How do we get our um, how do we get our how do we get our how do we get our um, first-year rookie center to like how do we get him to feel more comfortable? Like 
Like, how do we do that? You do that by running the ball. And if you run the ball and you and you have success with running the ball, then they get a little bit more comfortable, and now they're able to um, perform better in the pass. Play action becomes a lot easier to block. I think that we'll see a heavy amount of Saquon because we haven't seen a lot of Saquon, and he should be fresh and ready to go. He came into camp, so that means he doesn't have to worry about having any of the rust of a holdout or anything like that. He's coming in locked and loaded, fully motivated. He's got his quarterback with him who's going to take some of the pressure off because he has the ability to pull, and he has an offensive lineman, an offensive line that's really built to run block. Like they, we, We're hoping that they're better in the pass protection, but they're built to run block. And because they're built to run block, like I think we'll see them run if, like I said, if for no other reason than to get those guys to be comfortable, but also to slightly neutralize the pass rush. Now you gotta you gotta hold up a little bit. You gotta you you can't be as ears pinned back and now going. You really have to to pay attention to what's going on in the run game first before you go and hunt the quarterback. So I definitely think we'll see a lot of Saquon. I'm getting involved in this offense via the run. Um, I think we'll see a good amount of Daniel Jones getting involved um, via the run. I think you they have the ability to play 11-on-11 football. I think we'll see them exploit that. You mentioned the offensive line several times. And, you know, again, Dan Quinn is probably going to throw all kinds of funky things at them. How important is Daniel Bellinger, do you think, going to be in terms of neutralizing some of what Dan Quinn throws at them? Um, I think Bellinger is going to be big because he now he now represents a second tight end um, as as he represented the only tight end last year or the primary tight end. I think having a guy like Daniel Bellinger gives you legitimate 12 personnel. Like when 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 teams are able to legitimately hit people with 12 personnel, they're a problem. Think about think about New England back in the in the Gronk Aaron Hernandez days. They were really like effective because those two tight ends like could operate in different ways. And I think you have a very similar type of, of duo in Waller and Bellinger, where Waller can be your X receiver, he can be your slot guy, Bellinger. Um, he can line up as a as in line. Bellinger can line up in line. He's a he's a, he's a he's a good blocker, but he can also line up as a wing or in the backfield as a fullback or in the slot. So you have a lot of dynamics that you can employ with those two tight ends. I think it's going to give, um, I think it's going to give Daniel Quinn. I'm sorry, Dan Quinn. Daniel Quinn. Um, I think it's going to give Dan Quinn a lot of issues when it comes to how he wants to try to combat that. Okay, so you you're anticipating there's going to be a lot of twelve personnel in in this. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they use a good amount of twelve personnel because remember, and and you know because you were out there a lot this summer, like um, wide receiver one's not a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Wide receiver one is the tight end. Like they want to get that guy the ball, and they're going to put him in every position imaginable to get the ball. So if he's spending a lot of times not attached to the line of scrimmage then who's going to be attached to the line of scrimmage is most likely going to be Daniel Bellinger as that tight end two guy. And, and I think that that only opens up the, um, the playbook because you didn't see a lot of them be able to run an effective two tight end um, offense 
where it could be run or it could be passed. It just all depends on how we line these guys up um, on any given play. When you look at Evan Neal's game, you know, everybody's hoping that he takes an Andrew Thomas type of leap. How much, I mean, what did the Giants need from him in order to say he's trending in the right direction? I mean, Andrew Thomas took a huge leap. Evan Neal, you know, last year he was, he had moved from left tackle from his college, his last year of college to right tackle. He had the injury. He had some balance issues. What does he need to show in his game to, to kind of calm people's fears? Well, I, I don't think he needs to take an, an Andrew an Andrew Thomas type of leap because he's coming from further away than Andrew Thomas is. I think when Andrew Thomas came out, his leap was simply just kind of understanding and getting a feel for the NFL. Um, Evan Neal had issues in as a pass protector coming out of college. Andrew Thomas didn't have any issues as a pass protector coming out of college. And so once Andrew Thomas locked in the speed and the nuance of the game. He took off, right? Um, with Evan Neal, there's some real legitimate refinement that has to come to his game. Like he is not the he he does not have the best feet in pass protection. Um, he does not have the best balance in, in pass protection. He is not the, the the greatest at changing direction. You know what he's really good at? Well, he did a really good job at last year, run blocking. Well, guess what he did really good at Alabama? Run block. So it, it's not surprising where he is. So to expect him to do to be Andrew Thomas is is too much. We shouldn't put that on him. We should see some. We should see some incremental, some incremental um improvement. And I think that if you see incremental improvement as a pass protector, because he's so good as a, as a run blocker, they're going to be fine with that. You don't need your right tackle to be as good as your left tackle or your left tackle to be as good as your right tackle. You're never going to get bookends that are exactly like – they're both exactly the same. However, if Evan Neal can be a dominant run blocker and a competent pass protector, I think that they feel as if they've, they've won. They, they hit a home run, especially if Kayvon Thibodeau starts getting double-digit sacks on the, on the defensive side. All right, speaking of uh, Mr. Tibbs, let's talk about the Giants' defense against this Cowboys' uh, offense. Now, they have a couple of new pieces. They have Boogie Basham. They've got Isaiah Simmons. How do you anticipate – let's start with Simmons because I think Simmons is probably going to be the wild card here. Basham is probably going to be like a, a situational type guy, you know, sort of like Jihad Ward. But how do you think the best use for Simmons is going to be against this Cowboys team? I, I still believe that – that the best usage of Simmons is to let him just hunt. Like let him hunt. Don't, don't, don't get all cute and try to have him in pass protection. Um, um, sidebar the LSU game this, this, this past weekend, I watched a lot of Perkins who has very similar traits as Simmons and, and, and Parsons. I watched him a bunch in coverage and I kept like wanting to throw something at the TV. Like, yo, why do you have this guy in coverage? when he should be hunting the quarterback or hunting the ball, I think if you just take Simmons and you say, hey, see ball, get ball, whether you're at, at, in the inside and we're blitzing you or whether you are on the outside and you're coming off edge, see ball, get ball. I think that's the best, the best way for him to be successful all year long. The more you have him doing a bunch of different stuff 
He just becomes a jack of all trade and a master of none. And we've seen that. He, it wasn't like he was awful in Arizona. They just decided that we're we're not going to pay him, right? Because we're probably in a rebuild mode. They just decided they're not going to pay him. But he wasn't he wasn't a failure in Arizona. He's just being asked to do too much. Like you you can't play DB and linebacker and defensive end at the same time. It's just not going to happen. Like and when you when you try to serve all those masters, you're going to fail at something and or your stats are just never going to look the way they should look if all you had to do was focus on one thing. And so I think if they have him do one thing, he's going to have a lot of success. I think that one thing should be hunting hunting the quarterback or hunting the ball, however you want to call it. So is that going to be from working um, at inside the box or would you have him work from outside the box? I would have him, I would have him as an edge, as an edge. I think that most, um, Offensive tackles are going to have a hard time getting their hands on him coming off edge. However, you do have two explosive edges, and if they are healthy, um, why not have him come as an interior like blitzer, as an A gap, B gap blitzer with some type of stunt um, on? But I would definitely primarily use him as an exterior edge, almost as a as a spell guy for those two guys. Like, so we always have dynamic edge rushers on the field at one time. Okay. Now let's talk about the, the back end of the defense, because it looks like a Dory Jackson could be seeing a lot of time in the slot, which means you're going to have two rookies um, on the outside. You know, you figure Jackson will cover um, CD lamb but they also have Brandon Cooks. How do you think the Giants deal with Brandon Cooks, who who is kind of you know underrated uh, when, when we're talking about this this Cowboys uh, offense? Everybody's like C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb. Cooks is a guy you got to pay attention to. So how do you anticipate the Giants will kind of distribute the coverage assignments against these Cowboys receivers? If I if I'm being honest, PT, I'm I'm not a fan, not a fan of 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 how they're they're deciding they want to play it. I, I, I'm obviously going to defer to Wink. Um, you know, he, he, he likes what he likes. And so if the game plan is to um, play, a, is to send a lot of bodies, then, then having Jackson go inside on the slot um, makes sense. But if, I don't know if people remember, but when they tried him as a slot guy in Tennessee, it was not his best season. <laughs> um, he, and he ended up in New York. So um, I don't know if that's the best place for him. I don't know if he's adept at being there on a regular basis. We're going to find out. I, I like the fact that they have enough confidence in the two rookies to um, put those put those guys out there a lot. But all that really tells me is that they've missed on a lot of they missed on a lot of DB prospects. If you got two rookies out there, right? Like where's Flot at? Where's Robinson at? You know. Um, I was surprised. Um, I, I thought I thought Amani Arawarie had a great um, preseason. I was surprised he didn't make the team. I was happy to see that they brought him back on the practice squad. I think you're going to see um, some of those guys probably kind of interchange in and out of the practice squad, depending upon who they're playing that week, um, or get elevated from the practice squad, depending on who they're playing that week. Um, I will say this is what I love about this Giants secondary: they're long. And they're uber athletic, like they're athletic everywhere. And I think that is something you could not have said last year. They're long everywhere. They're athletic everywhere. And that's a that's a positive. So if 
what what Coach Wink believes is the best mode to be successful, if he's right, they're going to have great coverage on the outside, and they're going to need it because Brandon Cooks is not just some grab, rando grab guy. Brandon Cooks does work every single place he's been. He's going to be an issue if you don't lock him down, or if you, or if you think that he's just going to be an easy cover. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Um, I, I really like the secondary. I did. I did raise an eyebrow when I started hearing about like how they were possibly planning on, um, you know, playing coverage this weekend. But who knows? They might come out there and do something completely different. And 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 I wouldn't be surprised because that's what Coach Wink does. He keeps you guessing. And yeah. so if he keeps you guessing, I want to be guessing. And if I'm guessing, if I'm guessing, then I guarantee you they're guessing over on the other side as well. Mm. Um, and, and that's a great thing for for the Giants in their in their secondary. All right, now I gotta lay on you my concern for this team because again, mm-hmm. I don't think it's getting enough attention. But it was a problem last year. It was a problem in the preseason. Special teams coverage units continue to give up big plays. Now, I looked at the injury report, obviously, and you've got three or four guys who you can consider core special teamers on that injury report. I'm a little concerned about that unit. What can they do? What are they missing to kind of, you know, stop the opposing teams from flipping the field and getting the the starting field advantage? I mean – the, the the God honest truth is, is that some guys that they drafted, that they clearly drafted to be special team stalwarts are not holding the water. You know, like we need more from Brown. We need more from Coughlin. Those two guys as linebackers who don't really get a lot of minutes in on the actual field, like during the defensive time, but are supposed to be core special teams guys. They got to get down there and make more plays. It, it's that simple. Um, the other, the other guys, um, that are out there, I think we have, we've had a lot of lane integrity issues where guys are duplicating lanes coming down. Um, I think people have to be a little bit more cognizant of that. I'm sure that's nothing that the, that the special teams, um, coaching, coaching staff haven't been, you know, drilling home, but there were a lot of times last year where guys would get a seam in a place that they should not have gotten a seam because there should have been someone there. And so I think that'll help. And then obviously, you know, you need your punter to put the ball in places that are going to be advantageous for for the the coverage team to be able to do what they need to do. Um, And so more hang time, um, directional punting, um, not just trying to get it as deep as you can possibly get it, because sometimes deeper is not better. Sometimes you outkick the coverage. Um, But I do think that the special teams, when we see the special teams unit, as a starting unit in the game will be more athletic than the special teams unit was last year because they just have more athletic people on the team, right? Like where are you, where are you going to hide them? Like they've got to be, they've got to get out there and play somewhere. And so um, I think you'll see a more athletic unit, which will hopefully get them down um, to the ball carrier, to the, to the returner faster. But then at that point, the, the playmakers, the guys who are the, the special team stalwarts, they really have to show up and make plays. Yeah, amen to that, because that has been a problem now for a couple of years. And again, it was a problem in the preseason. And you just can't lose games 
from special teams. And and the Giants last year, you can make a case that they lost a couple, certainly the Seattle game, uh, because of their special teams performance. Yeah, All right, what's, Coach, the, what's the use of having athlete, like six foot five athletic linebackers that don't play for you in, in regular snaps, but but are your special mm-hmm. teams guys if they're not going to make plays? Why are they making this team? Like why exactly. are they still on the on the roster? So yep. I think they have to step up or or the Giants really have to legitimately look into some changes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Coach Gene, great stuff. As always, appreciate the expertise. Folks, you can check him out on Giants Country. He's got his own podcast, Talk Spicy. And uh, he also does writing elsewhere. I know he, he contributes to Football Game Plan with Emery Hunt, who's been a guest of the show. Um, so check him out. You can see his Twitter account. It's at Gene Clemens. He's Coach Gene Clemens. And uh, Giant fans, we appreciate you tuning in all this week to the Locked on Giants podcast. We'll be back, obviously, on Sunday after the game. We'll have a quick recap. And then we'll have a brand new week of shows for you coming up next week, hopefully after a New York Giants win against the Dallas Cowboys. For Gene Clemens, I'm Patricia Trainer. Giant fans, have a great weekend, and we'll talk again 